Welcome everyone to another episode of the Liberators Network podcast. I am Christian Verwijs and I'm here today with... Barry Overheim. Yeah, cool. And what are we going to talk about, Barry, today? It's an important topic. Culture. And not just a culture in general, but a developer culture. Yeah. And we're going to talk about, so what is it? What do we mean by developer culture? And most importantly, what are, what are our personal experiences with creating a developer culture or enabling it. Yeah. Things that worked well, things that did not work really well, that's what we're gonna talk yeah. about. And maybe some background before we start. Mm -hmm. um, I used to work a long time for a, well, a developer company called Now Online. They still exist. Um, we had a pretty strong developer culture there. I think I worked there for nine to 10 years. Um, and I'm still quite proud of what we did there. Um, internet agency, we used to build web applications for all sorts of clients, large and small. Um, and was quite comparable to you for you, right? The yeah, in a way, uh, uh, but uh, sort of like instead of you being a real developer, I sort of had the ambition of maybe one day I could be a true developer myself, but I really never made it far, further away from reading a lot of uh, SQL books and SQL and, and doing a bit of like programming with that, but not real, real <laughs> programming. Uh, so I worked mostly, I worked always closely as part of a development team, but in different roles, mostly as a, uh, as a Scrum Master. Cool. And what is a developer culture? What did it look like for you at Enrise? What was... What made you say, okay, there is a developer culture here? Yeah, not only Enrise. I worked for Enrise uh, for, for quite a lot of years as a Scrum Master, but after Enrise, I also started working with other organizations that had a lot of developers. And while Enrise was sort of like a positive example, uh, many other organizations were uh, struggling with sort of like creating a culture in which, and not even, it's not only about uh, the developers itself, but also an environment where you can sort of like build the products that customer wants in, uh, in, in, uh, in itself. Mm -hmm. um, and something, a pattern that I noticed over all these uh, teams that were successful was that uh, developers were considered as one of the key sort of like employees of the organization. And in a lot of organizations where it did not really work out, it was, there was sort of an atmosphere or a dynamic where developers were working mostly for internal other uh, departments, like the development needed to um, sort of like explain what they were doing to HR, to the finance department, to other management departments. And they were sort of seen as the lowest part in the organization and sort of like a what is it called like they a just cog in the wheel yeah something like that and the organizations cog that in, cog in a machine I'm cog in a machine yeah cog in a machine cog in yeah. a wheel <laughs> doesn't mean anything um but they were not considered as that important and um organizations that had a better culture those were organizations where it was all about supporting the developers in doing the complex work because in essence it is hard work what they need to do it's complex work so they flipped it uh, mm. let's support the developers instead let's make their life as difficult as possible cool and i'm, I'm kind of thinking that sort of flipping um what does that look like usually in, in organizations i mean you gave an example of what it looked like but I'm just thinking for now online, I think what was really good is that um, we didn't have, there was an owner, a good friend of mine, and that was about it. And then there were the scrum teams that were doing the work and they had product owners. Sometimes the owner was the product owner 
Um, but there was always a lot of collaboration going on. The, the owner really trusted the developers to make the good decisions, the right decisions. And sometimes there were fiery debates over how to do something, like really intense debates sometimes. But there was always this underlying respect that was happening there. What is yeah. It? yeah, I think trust what you mentioned, I think that's key. So what did it look like in, in environments that I've experienced is that the teams were trusted in picking their own team members. Mm. Like there was no complex HR hiring process. Uh, it was more like if you know a good developer, okay, invite them, um, have a couple of conversations with them. And if the, as a team you think it's a wise decision to add them to the team, then do it, just make it happen. Mm. Um, but that was also for the tooling that they used. Uh, pick your own tool, and if you wanna, if you think you need a new laptop or you need a, you know, a new headset, something like that, you don't have any complex procedures for making it happen. Um, we just trust them to make the uh, mm -hmm. to make the decision. That's cool. Yeah, kind of ties into another thing that we talked about before. Is that what we used to do? Is and I think you did something similar. You just called it different, but. We used to do something called Tech Talks, where mm. people from the development team could share something they were working on, which could also be just a hobby project, something they were doing at home. But one thing we also did was just read books together. Mm. And we just bought the books. I, I didn't have to go anywhere to get permission to buy the books. I just bought the books and we read them together. And if we needed new tools or new licenses, then I just got the li I just got everything. Mm. And I think that was really nice. That was a good way for developers to just get the stuff they needed rather than having to ask for permission to yeah. get it. Good example. Yeah. And another example that comes to mind is that although I'm very passionate about Scrum, um, I never really enforced it on the teams that I've worked with. Um, so if they th uh, uh, think that a different way of working suits them better, then just give them the freedom to experiment with that. And of course you can uh, recommend a certain way of working and, and you can sort of like invite them to do an experiment with it but then still it's their way of working it's their process if they really have a strong opinion about doing it differently then give them the freedom and the space to do so hmm. that's a good one yeah. yeah do you have any other examples of what sort of like worked for you in a development environment yeah i think what's really important and uh, again i think we both have examples of this is that um, the product owners in our team, we usually had one or two product owners per team one, but we have multiple scrum teams and sometimes the same product owner would work with multiple scrum teams on different products. Um, but what happened there, I think, is that was very powerful was that the product owner would always take people from the development team to talk with the customer. Mm. We actually had real customers, so it was not an internal product. It was always a product we built for other people, other uh, companies. So developers were always a part of that. Even in the very first conversation between a product owner and a, and a cl potential client to actually get a quote or even the creation of a quote was something that developers always did together with the product owner. Mm. And that, ma that made it easy for people to buy in at the very start. Mm. Um, and customers were always walking in and out of the company. They were always attending the sprint reviews Sometimes the daily scrums, which is not obviously something that we want to encourage too much with the scrum framework, but here the collaboration was just fine, it worked well. Um, but there was this, con this drive to really make sure that we're inviting the users, the customers into the process. And we made an effort to actually go to customers a lot. So we used to go to the companies to see how they did their work, to just sit next to a user, see how they use the software. 
And that really built a good understanding between developers and the people we were building it for. At some point, the users were often calling developers to, to get some help or to <laughs> fix something. There was a pitfall there that, that it was happening too often at one point. And then we changed it a little bit, but um, that was always something that developers came up with. They came up with how to do this differently, mm. or let's automate this one thing that all the users keep asking us. And I think that's really mm. nice about working so closely with users. It really builds developer cultures yep. um, because developers see why they're doing this work and for who they're doing it. And that's often missing. Um, and that's, that's an important one. one. Yeah. Another one that comes to mind is um, often the more uh, the better environments that I've been part of understood the consequence of complexity. So that software development is complex and due to the complexity, you are just gonna figure out how to build the product along the way and you are gonna make mistakes and some things will work out and many things won't work out and you should really create an environment where people are not really sort of like scared to make any mistakes and they can be open amongst each other it's like these are things that did work and or i'm just stuck and i would like to get some help from someone in in in, in the better environments that was just encouraged if you were stuck just uh, shout it out and and ask for help and and people were also willing to help each other out mm -hmm. do you recognize that yeah example? absolutely um people asking for help during a daily scrum yeah. like i'm stuck on this thing can someone pair up with me that happened throughout the day but the daily scrum was a natural moment to, to, to surface those requests that happened a lot yeah cool actually there was one developer that always when he started something new a new item he always paired up with someone else mm. he said i'm gonna start on this who's gonna join me mm. and someone would always join him and if someone else in the development team would suggest to start work on something he would always ask do you want me to join you or someone else so he was always encouraging this pairing up with other people that was really cool yeah cool maybe one one more thing that i was thinking of is more it's something that i actually look for when i walk into a company and i look at the space that people are working in mm. is that what's on the wall yeah. what's on the desks and um, i always like development environments where you've got a lot of stuff on the wall like this is a product backlog this is a sprint backlog these are the obvious things mm -hmm. but also like these are our code conventions mm. this is the stuff that's important for us when we write code and now online we used to have them on a big whiteboard mm. um, in the room and it usually we updated it over time but there was also a lot of there were also a lot of funny pictures on the wall. Like there's this illustration in the book Clean Code by Robert G. Martin, and I think it's something like um, the best indicator for code quality is the number of what the fuck moments per minute. <laughs> um, and th that picture was on the wall, and I think sort of that kind of developer fun is also really nice for a developer culture. Cool. Yeah. Nice example. Yeah. Okay. So I think. Our intention was to share about roughly 10 ideas. Yeah, but I can still think that people can listen to this and think, yeah, that's nice. I know, that's nice. Mm -hmm. People should trust developers and they should, should be able to buy their own stuff and management should respect them and they should have a good environment to work in. Mm -hmm. How the hell do you do that? I mean, you should do tech talks. I'm sure everyone agrees with that, but how do you do that? Mm. We haven't really answered that. We g we're given some examples yeah. how you do that, but I'm thinking... But it might be a, a, a an episode on itself. But it's the maybe we can just briefly give them some guidelines. Well, just my own experience is that um, in the company where I worked, I used to be the one 
person who was most excited about being developer, um, initially at least. So mm -hmm. I, I was really sort of being very passionate about trying new things and working on code conventions, but that wasn't shared by all developers. For some developers, it was also just let me do my work and, and do what I'm used to and, and don't bother me with new stuff. But I think what really helped is um, when another developer joined the company that was also passionate, we could work together on it. Um, and finding at least one other developer that's also eager to try new things and then working with the people that are also eager to do that, that's, bad, that's a really good strategy because you can force everyone to do all these things like go join this tech talk, let's go to a customer. But I think it's more helpful to just start with a small group and start building it out from there. People will see it's more fun that way. Developers will see it's more fun, gives their work more purpose. I think that's a really helpful strategy. Just model the behavior yourself. Yeah, if you that's don't also what, what, what we've done in our company is that we started just as one team and uh, all the other teams at that moment in time had completely different ways of working and we just started doing some experiments most of the experiments proved to be successful and then they got copied by other teams in the organization that's as well. cool that's nice and that's sort of like slowly how uh, it spreads throughout the entire organization so actually what we're saying now is it starts with you <laughs> <laughs> which is true in a way if yeah. you don't start m modeling some of these things even in a small way Invite people to pair up with you when you do something new. If you don't ask people, can I pair up with you? Or let's write some unit tests for this code. It's never going to happen. Yeah. So and also reach out to the wider community. Yeah. Just uh, try to connect with people that may have already tried it in their organization, share experiences about their approach, and then uh, give it a try yourself. Cool. I think we're also sharing quite a number of blog posts that are cover more examples, more strategies that you can use. Mm. Um, so I'll put some links in the description of this episode for people that want to read more. Is there anything else we want to recommend people to do? Uh, no, but maybe I'm very curious to learn what people that are listening to this yeah. episode have tried themselves. What has worked and, for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. And maybe if they share it with us, then we can collect them and, and combine them in a blog post or another podcast episode and yeah. uh, share that one again with the community. Because maybe we can sort of end with the important closing words that Scrum is really nice and Barry and I, well, we're both very excited about the Scrum framework and about what it makes possible, but you're nowhere without developers. Yeah. You're nowhere without a good development team, without a developer culture that supports innovation, that supports people to learn new things, to do experiments, to try things that may fail. If you don't do that, just Scrum has no point. Yeah. So really spend work hard to create such a developer where this is possible. Um, and well, that brings us to the end of the episode. We really hope that some of these tips are helpful for you. Uh, make sure to let us know in the comments. Thank you for listening and taking time out of a busy day to learn something new. And we'll see you again in the next episode. Cool. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.